Have you ever wanted to raise your hand and ask a question during the Sunday morning sermon? Are you looking for a place to find real hope? Join us on the Real Life Living in the Here and Now podcast as we tackle life's most unwelcome questions and learn to live free and real. Each week we take on a subject that cuts through the hype and deals with the hurt and brokenness everyone has but doesn't know where to begin. And now let's join your host, Joe Farmer, as he gets real with himself, with God, and with you. Hello and welcome into another episode of Real Life, Living in the Here and Now. I'm Scott Napier, along with Joe Farmer today on the podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. And uh, we've got a special guest with us today as we talk about a very interesting topic Joe, you've got a friend that was with you last time on the podcast. Yeah, Cliff Branham has joined us again this week, and um, I thought it was great, Scott, having you guys on today. We're going to just begin a discussion on leadership, and we're not really sure where this is going to go, so it may come off the rails here pretty quick. But uh, (laughs) we've got Cliff Branham with Springs of Life Ministries out of Jellicoe, Tennessee, and uh, you know, he's in Jellicoe, I'm in Manchester, you're in Hazard, Mm -hmm. and what we want to do today is, is begin to talk about um, you know, leadership and then what leadership maybe looks like in, you know, the Appalachia area. And um, God is doing something unique, I think. Maybe it's not unique, but, I, you know, you really don't, I don't know, there's not really a reference for it, you know, so you, you feel unique. But I think God is doing something in the mountains, and um, and I think it would be great, Cliff, and we've talked about this, that um, people that are like-minded you know, begin to talk about some of these things and maybe even get together and talk about some of these things because if you are, uh, if you're leading or doing things in the area like, like we are doing, not that, not that we're special, but I, it, it may be a little different or look a little different, the things that we're doing, um, it can be really lonely. Uh, there are some challenges that are unique uh, to Appalachia mm-hmm. and every area has their challenges, you know, and they all do. And that doesn't mean Ours is worse, or somewhere else's is worse, but they're just unique to our area. And I think, you know, if, if I was going to Africa, for example, and to be a missionary, there are things about that culture, and there are things about how they live and things that they encounter that it would be good for you to know sure. before you could effectively minister in those areas. Absolutely. So Appalachia is no different, you know. Um, and again, this isn't a criticism. This is just some observations that we've made. And it's not necessarily negative. This is just saying, you know, from our years, you know, Scott, you've been you've been involved in ministry, what, 70, 80 years? I mean, how, how long is that? Is <laughs> it, it feels like that. It really does. <laughs> so how, how no, I'm you? a PK, preacher's kid. So, um, you know, as long as I can remember, I'm 56 years old, and that's all I've ever known is mom and dad going to church, you know, and we, I mean, it didn't matter through the week, weekend, whatever. You know, sometimes he evangelized. He pastored for a great number of years. But there were uh, many times, you know, when he was evangelizing, we'd be traveling to church every night, you know, and still do school and whatever. And then uh, in later years, when he when he was a pastor for so many years, uh, you know, those spring, summer revivals and all of that stuff. So, yeah, I've been around all my life, you know, uh, around the churches and and things and and this area as you said it's a unique area 
something unique going on. I like I like how you said that. But this is a great area, the Appalachian Mountains. Mm-hmm. We have some of the best people in the world. Man. I mean, you can travel all different places, and it and it feels good when you come back home mm-hmm. to yeah. to your people. So we've got wonderful people, and God truly does love the mountains and the Appalachian people. Right, and, but there are some things I believe. Um, that's even generational cliff that's ingrained in our culture. And because I think it's generational, we don't recognize it. Mm-hmm. You know, we do things just because we've always done them, and that may hinder us maybe sometimes from from doing things. When you think of what leadership is, a very uh, – Max John Maxwell has a really simple def- – I mean, you can define it a, a thousand ways, but just to keep things really simple, he said leadership is influence. Mm-hmm. So – when you think of it like that, you know, anybody's a leader. If you have influence, and everybody has influence, you've got influence over your family, you've got influence where you work, you've got influence in your community, uh, on whatever level that is, you have some influence over somebody. If you're a mom or dad, you have influence on your kids. So everybody's a leader. It's just a matter of what kind of leader are you. And if you don't recognize you're a leader, then you're probably you're probably not going to do as good as being a leader as if you understood okay i'm a leader and and i need to you know be a leader i need to work on becoming a better leader and uh you know be the best leader that i can so you have to be able to be led first of all Mm -hmm. before you can expect to lead somebody else so what are some good characteristics do you do you find in great leadership well first of all i mean you have to to have the ability to be led i mean you look at people, young people anyway, that, that start um, maybe with their first job. A lot of people want to start at the top, mm-hmm. you know, and that's really not how it works. Uh, nothing that I've been involved in, that's not the way it works. Mm-hmm. So first of all, you got to be able to be led mm-hmm. and develop those qualities of your leader, if they're a good leader. Right. And practice those when you feel the time is right for you to be so that a leader. teachable spirit. If teachable you will. spirit, yeah. 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 Humility. Teachable spirit. And you know, and I was actually reading uh, earlier uh, when when Paul was writing to Timothy, Timothy, and Paul was a great leader, and Timothy was his son, you know, mm-hmm. in the faith, and and uh, he he was writing to Timothy about what to look for in a leader. And I'm going to read from the Amplified just simply because I love it in my 100 font that you guys. Well, have been yeah, making fun I can of read today. that too. <laughs> so <laughs> you might be able to read it on the radio. I can read the reflection off sure. the wall over there. <laughs> so, but you know, Paul is telling Timothy basically, here's what you need to look for in a leader. Mm. You know, in a deacon or. Uh, in a bishop, and those are basically just leadership roles within the church. And and Paul established churches all over the world, the known world, in, in that time. Mm-hmm. So he would go in and, and preach the gospel and raise up leaders, and and he would leave people like Timothy uh, to lead. And and history tells that you know Timothy made him he even pastored a very large church, but it looked a little different than it did today. People met in their homes and things, but. He said, the saying is true and irrefutable if any man eagerly seeks the office of bishop, which is a superintendent or overseer, he desires an excellent task or work. Now a bishop must give no grounds for accusation, but must be above reproach, the husband of one wife. And, I mean, there's different, you know, interpretations of that. I I believe, you know, if you look at the culture back then, people may have had multiple wives at one time. Mm -hmm. You know, God can definitely redeem your past if that's Mm -hmm. been the case, you know, and that's my my opinion, um, you know, before you came to the Lord. Uh, Husband of one wife, circumspect and temperate, self-controlled. He must be sensible, 
and well-behaved, dignified, and lead an orderly, disciplined life. He must be hospitable, showing love for and being a friend to the believers, especially strangers or foreigners, and be a capable and qualified teacher. Not given to wine, not combative, but gentle and considerable, not quarrelsome, but forbearing and peaceable, and not a lover of money. Uh, he must rule his own household well, keeping his children under control with true dignity, commanding their respect in every way, and keeping them respectful. For if a man does not know how to rule his own household, how is he to take care of the church of God? He must not be a new convert, or he may be or develop a beclouded and stupid state of mind as a result of pride and be blinded by conceit and fall into condemnation that the devil once did. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation and be well thought of by those outside the church, lest he become involved in slander and incur reproach and fall into the devil's trap. And there's actually, it goes on there to talk more about deacons, but I believe, uh, as you all were talking about, Paul, or Scott, you're talking about being somebody that can be led. You, you know, Jesus was the greatest example of what a leader was, and, mm -hmm. and that's where I think we get the term servant leadership. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and I heard something very interesting. You know, we we've been we do a Bible study with our kids, uh, and we've been watching this show called Drive Through History. And they, you know, and if you understood how people ate meals at those times, they usually reclined. It was called like a trina car, and they were you reclined on one elbow, and everybody kind of was in one area or another, and they retch in with their food. But they they even say that at the Last Supper, what we call Last Supper, Peter was sitting at the lowest servant's position on the table, that the lowest servant. I don't know how they determined who would be in that position. Maybe they took turns and this was Peter's turn. But when Jesus said, Peter, I've got to wash I've got to wash your feet, mm -hmm. he's like Yeah. No doubt maybe Peter had even failed at his role during the supper. I mean you look at when Jesus went into Simon's house, he says, Simon since I've been here you haven't you haven't washed my feet. You've not offered any oil for my head. And, mm -hmm. and this woman, since she's came here, hasn't uh, stopped kissing my feet and wiping them with her tears and drying them with her hair. Peter was in this position as a, the servant that was supposed to be doing those things. And Jesus gets up, demonstrates for him, for all the other disciples, this is what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. And Peter, of course, the... The extremist that he is, he said, "Well, then, if you got to do it, just wash my my head. Yeah, wash it my, all. Just wash it all." But <laughs> yeah. I think being a servant at heart, Cliff, is very important, isn't it? Yeah, the way Jesus handled power should be a big demonstration to us on how we handle power. Wow. Um, I think and maybe that's in John thirteen in the Gospel of John. I believe that you're referring to there in the Last Supper. And uh, it was always remarkable to me where it talks about the realization that all power and authority had been given to Jesus. Then he demonstrates that that action of the most powerful uh, individual who has ever existed since we've uh, known of in humanity, and he demonstrates his power and authority by doing the uh, the servant's job of washing the feet. And the most important part, I think, for that is also to realize. Obviously, they're talking about salvation there in in that uh, demonstration as well, knowing that Jesus was going to go to the cross soon after that. But the demonstration of, he said, this is how you should serve one another. This is how, you know, if you remember also, Jesus says, they'll know that you're my disciples for your love for one another. And so how do we serve each other, even in leadership? You know, I think a little bit about this podcast when we talk about leadership being lonely at the top. 
And that in itself is a trap, that we've allowed ourselves to be so insulated in leadership that we don't have uh, our brothers and sisters so so connected to us that we uh, that, that, that we're not alone. You know, I think there's a trap in that. There's a, a transparency, uh, willingness to be open and to talk about the difficulties of leadership. And 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 when you find yourself in a position where you do have authority and you do have power, what does that look like? How do you demonstrate that? And again, I think it goes back to what you said earlier, Joe. It starts in the home. Uh, if a man cannot demonstrate that power and authority and that service to his wife, we're to love our wives the way Christ loved the church. So that sacrificial agape love, willing to give oneself up for another, um, you know, do we have that? Um, do we have that? Uh, the right ingredients, you know, starting out for leadership. I feel like we tend to look for. Uh, education. We tend to look for uh, networking power. We tend to look for, you know, the the, the opportunities uh, that may arise through that that networking power. But how often do we look at the, the just the natural ingredients of leadership, which would be humility and sacrificial love? Um, you know, what 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 do you think about that, guys? What, what's your opinion when you think about leadership? What are some of those pros and cons that we tend to find ourselves in as we're trying to navigate that? Well, definitely, we have to be humble. I think and. Uh if you're the leader, I think you have to think about the people that you're leading. And am I willing to do what I'm asking them to do? Am I willing to uh, to do um, the things that 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 they need to do? I mean, Jesus that. was saying, "Here, this is how I want you to do it." You know, and then he Our, demonstrated. And then mm-hmm. he demonstrated that. We being a good leader is demonstrating that yeah. through your actions, I think. And doesn't he making it? He makes it simple. Yeah. When you when you really boil it down, it's sacrificial agape love yes. to to love, but potential and promise and self preservation. Uh, all these things tend to get in the way of doing that. So, what does it look like when we throw all that to the side and we we risk? self-preservation when we put ourselves in God's hands and say I'm going to lead the way you've called me to lead almost by saying I'll be about your business you be about mine I'm going to do what you want me to do and be faithful in that and trust that you'll take care of me through that process I think it was interesting when Jesus uh, in Matthew 28 you know he he had risen from the dead and he had met the disciples And, and, and in reference to what you were saying earlier Cliff he said I thought this interesting all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth Go, ye therefore. Mm. That doesn't even sound like it goes together. So it almost is like he's saying, because all power in heaven and earth has been given to me, you have to go into all the world. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Mm. And, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. So Jesus is saying, listen, I, I was the example. I washed your feet. Mm-hmm. I served. I ate with publicans and sinners. I sat at the well with the woman at the well. I stopped on my way to the cross. And I, you know, in this scripture too, and Mark, you know, this is something that then came out of our family devotion. The Bible says, that, you know, Jesus told him, I've, I've got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. And the Bible says that he walked ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Like he was in a hurry. And if you look even geographically, that walk is uphill. Yeah. So he was, Bible says, for the joy set before him, mm-hmm. he endured the cross, despising the shame. He walked at a hurry mm-hmm. toward the cross. But yet when people brought their children to him 
on the way to the cross. That's why the disciples are like, whoa, whoa, don't bother him. Mm -hmm. Do you know what's going on here? He's literally going to Jerusalem. Yeah. He told us he's going to die. We don't really believe him. Yeah. You know, because they never really did. Right. Uh, until he actually died. Then he didn't believe him. Until mm -hmm. he rose from the dead. They're like, no, I might believe him. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe now I believe him. <laughs> so he, he took time for children. Unlike the Pharisees, unlike the high priests, they wouldn't touch kids. They wouldn't lay hands on you to bless you. They wouldn't. They, they thought that was beneath them. And mm -hmm. Jesus, no, he touched lepers. He spent times with prostitutes, publicans, and sinners, and tax collectors, and the worst among us. So he's saying, "Listen, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. You go do what I did. Mm -hmm. it, you know, mm -hmm. let the greatest among you be servant of all." Yeah. You know, freely you ever see, freely give. Wow. All those things. So Jesus was the perfect example of that. Greatest ever. The greatest example of that. Greatest example. Hmm. So how do we emulate that in our day-to-day -day practice of leadership? What does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis? Starting in the home, like you said, and then overflowing from the home into our everyday work lives. Um, I think a lot of people, it's almost as if we're working toward a position as opposed to embracing that position before we get there. Uh, it's like you said, we're all leading, right? If we have influence on, on other people, we're leading. So we're either leading well or we're not leading so well mm -hmm. uh, according to how we practice our humility, our agape love. So what's that look like in the everyday practice? Somebody's always watching us, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, we're talking about that influence. You, you may have influence on one or two, but it may be more than that. Mm -hmm. But somebody is always watching. So how do we get to this point? that you said the the greatest example man how do we get there and and what's our journey look like getting there i mean well again i, I think because jesus was our example when the bible says he was tempted in every point that was common to man yet without sin I, he was walked in a manner that he was always dead to his flesh and dead to his worldly desires and i think yeah. that's the problem with the living sacrifice that keeps crawling off the altar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So being a follower of Jesus is like he says is take up your cross. Mm -hmm. And if you think about what Paul said, Oh, woe is me, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Mm -hmm. It's constantly living in a state of of not my will, God, mm -hmm. but your will be done. It's dying to what I want and what we think our rights are. Mm -hmm. You know, so often people, you know, uh, they want to lead and yet uh, if they're not treated fairly, they, you know, they get discouraged or they get hurt. And that's natural. I mean, that's a natural place. But it's just a constant dying to ourself. And we live in the most selfish time probably I don't know. I wasn't alive 2,000 years ago. I imagine it's, it's always been the same, but we see it today because we live in this time. But people are just all about themselves, even in the church. People will hear, You'll hear people say things about my ministry. And that's the saddest thing. It, it is. really is. When it's supposed to be, you know, for him, what we're doing, this sacrifice of the things that we do is to bring honor to the Lord and to bring glory to God. And many times we see it, and it's a sad scene, really. Uh, to see those things. I got a pastor friend that I worked for for years that made a statement one time that was just so, I mean, I just like, wow. He said, um, if you want to see how spiritual somebody is, don't give them a job to do. Take one away. 
Wow, see the great. reaction wow. of of that, you know, and and see how they would react in that situation. The humility, I think, of, of being a leader and and being humble and and looking at the model that we have before us mm. and how that Jesus humbled Himself even to the cross that you talked about and that journey that He made. Man, we got a lot of work to do. I, I do. I, I hear the two of you saying. I, th- I th- correct me if this is wrong, but it sounds like you know you're. You're referring to Scripture when, when it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right. and all these things will be added unto you. So that the prize that our eyes should be focused upon is the eternal and not the temporal. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to do because we live in this temporal it world, so and, and we get so rooted into what we think the here and now is. But right. And, and um, forgive me for going this far out on the limb, but I would say that's what defines true Christianity. Right. It's when our, when our actions exhibit the fact that we're living a life that shows we're sowing into the internal and or the eternal and not the temporal Um, and i think that's what jesus displayed his disconnection from uh well you think about the garden there was a surrender there right Uh, not my will but thy will be done so i think that at least exhibits the fact that jesus in his own will not necessarily wanting to embrace the cross but was willing to suffer that and to embrace that for it's the father's will and then to what you said to then journey ahead of the others it shows like once we come to that place of surrender once we've embraced the father's will for our life then we need to become proactive and eager about pursuing that and oftentimes it's almost as if god has to drag us by the That's hair of the head true. to do what, what he would have us to do as opposed to doing as jesus did and embrace that and then take off with it i mean think about what jesus said he says i always do what is pleasing to my father mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm like i do eight yeah. percent of the time what's pleasing. Mm-hmm. i mean you think about that mm-hmm. and he said i only say what I hear my father say, I only do what I see him do. Yeah. And we get really caught up in, you know, what does ministry look like? And I tell people, if you just go through the Bible, just read the red letters. What what did Jesus actually mm-hmm. do? Not the things that have to be deba- debated or you have to, uh, you know, refer to a philosopher or right. concordance about. Yeah. The things yeah. that are plain English to read, yeah. or Hebrew or Greek, or, you right. know, just whatever. Yeah. Read that. What did Jesus actually do? And if you only did those things, nothing else. I mean, you weren't worried about being a, uh, you know, a, a divinity student or, or, or getting a degree in, in philosophy, and you only read and did what you knew for sure that Jesus wanted you to do, I think we would all be much, much better That's true. off. Guys, this is excellent. We're going to have to wrap up this um, edition. And uh, we're coming back, right? Yeah. With another part on this as we uh, as we continue in this great subject. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, it is. We awesome. struggled you, at man. all to 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 uh, expound upon this, Cliff. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to be here today. And we will continue the next time, right here on Real Life, Living in the Here and Now. And until then, we encourage you to always keep it real. Thank you for joining the Real Life Podcast. You can subscribe to our program anywhere podcasts are available. Stay up to date by subscribing to our show. Join us next week as we tackle real life together.